things you should know right off the bat. I've had four cups of coffee. I'm a little nervous. Did I mention my name's Chadi? Yeah. Oh, this is a creative church podcast, and, well, you should know that uh, I cry in corners. True story. What's up, guys? Chadi Orozco here. I am super happy if you are tuning in today because we are on episode two. Um, just want to say thank you so much to everybody that's tuning in who tuned into the first one. I may have cried ugly in a corner like Claire Danes from Romeo Juliet for about an hour when it launched. And I'm just excited today because we're talking about feelings. So you remember in the last podcast when I said um, that I wasn't really emotional? Well, I mean, that's kind of true. I'm not really emotional, but I have a lot of feelings. I'm going to explain that in detail during this episode. Um, But I want you to know that as a person with a lot of feelings, I've had to learn how to temper my feelings because if you don't temper your feelings, you'll fail. And I feel like nobody ever told me that. I mean, they may have tried to tell me that, but I didn't really get that. So let's lay some groundwork. The goal of all these episodes that I'm currently fumbling through is is to give you building blocks to maybe help you become more self-aware and to grow deeper in appreciation of who you are. Because I feel like if you can appreciate authentically who you are, the world won't be able to tell you who you are. Yep, you can't lead yourself or people well if you don't have uh, those two things in check, which is being self-aware and understanding who you are. And that's why today we're talking about feelings. And as a person who has a lot of feelings and is surrounded by people with a lot of feelings, I truly believe down deep in my bones that this topic can make you or break you. So let's jump right in. I am and have always been an emotional head case. That's even scary to say out loud. Like I'm super catastrophic. Like when I was 14, I sprained my ankle playing basketball with my cousins. And when I fell to the ground, I grabbed my ankle and my very first response was like, oh my God, my career is over. It's over. I was 14. I didn't have a career. I had no job. My sole job was to play basketball on the weekends, uh, occasionally in high school. And um, I wasn't being looked at by the NBA, but I was an emotional kid. Do not judge me. I literally was screaming out loud. I mean, you could hear me from everywhere. (laughs) Honest moment. I don't usually believe the best in situations. Uh, I don't even even believe the best in people. That's horrible to say as I'm a professional Christian, supposedly, and I'm on staff at one of the greatest churches in the world. The Lord has really been dealing with me with believing the best and seeing the best and not being catastrophic. See, my mind always goes straight to the Dateline NBC endings. Does anyone else do that? It's just me. When things go wrong, uh, for example, my non-existent professional basketball career at 14, I always believe the worst. But that intense feeling-driven mindset has been uh, following me along my entire life and even in adulthood. Case in point, my husband, who I will refer to as babes uh, for the rest of this episode and all episodes, um, he is very tropical and I am very not. So (laughs) he likes to adventure and do all these things. One of the things he really enjoys to do is be around the water. I don't like to be around the water as I'm a Cuban and I feel like we've been around the water enough. And um, (laughs) my husband always wants to go on cruises. He's from Costa Rica. He loves the water. He wants to be in the tropics. And so 10 years into our marriage, he finally talked me into getting on a boat and going on a cruise and see what you need to know about this cruise is I'm not really big on cruises. I didn't even dress appropriately. I wasn't prepared at all for this trip. I took like sweatpants and like skinny jeans and hoodies and I wore my Chelsea boots and you know, I'm, I was the girl in all sweatpants and white tennis shoes. I was just not prepared at all. Like I paid for the cabana and I stayed under it and read the whole time. I didn't even get in the water in the Bahamas because there are sharks in the water and this girl does not want to be anywhere near sharks. 
Long story short, day four of this uh, trip, we're heading back to, um, we're in the middle of the sea. It's like one of those day at seas. If you've never been on a cruise, there's actually like, you st- you have stops and then there's days at sea, which doesn't sound very fun um, for a person who doesn't like to be in the water. And also a person who's watched Titanic too many times. So we're <laughs> we're taking a nap. It's, it's in the middle of the afternoon and I hear the ship go boo and turn off. My husband, I love him. But Babes was asleep through this entire situation. He slept through the whole thing. The whole boat turned off. Like it turned off and started to like, like feel like it was tipping. I'm not exaggerating. I'm dead serious. So because I'm catastrophic, I immediately freak out, jump out of bed. Mind you, Babes is still asleep. Jump out of bed. I get fully clothed, fully clothed in like jeans and boots and hoodies. And I am like ready because if I'm getting in the water, I'm wearing boots because I read somewhere that like, I mean, when sharks come, because the most like supposedly, okay, I've watched too many of these shows. Sharks that are the most hungry are the ones that are in the middle of the ocean. And then I saw on some weird show that if you're wearing jeans, it can become a floating device. And so I have like my whole, like, just in case I have to go into the water outfit. And so I wake him up, I'm fully dressed. And I'm like, dude, the boat is going down. You gotta wake up. And so he's super sweet and normal. And he uh, gets dressed and he, he deals with me and he's like, look, we can, everything's fine. Let's just go to the top of the boat. I'm sure they're going to say something with, before we could even get to the top of the boat, the captain comes on in his very little beautiful British accent that tried to make everything okay and say, Hey, you know, everything's fine. The boat's back running. We had a little bit of a mechanical situation in the middle of the ocean. So I'm now freaking out. It is six o'clock at night and I have now taken babes to the top of the boat and I have, I have him sitting next to the boat that I've decided personally, I'm going to man regardless of anybody else on the boat. I'm, I'm going to man this mother and I'm going to do it by myself because I don't really care about anyone else at this point. I am literally reliving that scene in Titanic where they're like, this is the last sunset that we ever saw. So he finally gets frustrated with me, kisses me on the forehead and abandons me. So I just sat there for hours by myself. I only tell you this story one, so no one invites me on any off the wall water excursions. Um, and also to tell you that if you're not absolutely careful you will end up like me in this story and become a person that's feelings are so pushing them forward that all they will ever care about is their own personal survival. And that's not what God made feelings for. God didn't make us feelings so that we would only be focused on us. He gave us feelings as indicators, feelings to push us towards the truth that God didn't give us feelings so we would be selfish. Instead, he gave us feelings so we would become selfless. That's right. Your feelings aren't for you. Your feelings are are the Holy Spirit showing you what God is doing in the moment. And that's what you're supposed to become, a person that can steward their feelings well. That's the goal, my friends, to steward your feelings well. And that leads me to the next story I'm going to share with you. And it's a story about who I, I personally have come to believe was the most emotionally driven person in the Bible. The person with the most feelings ever. This person had a lot of feelings. No, I'm not talking about the prophet Jeremiah, who cried all the time. That dude cried all the time. I'm not talking about Peter, my spirit animal, who allowed his feelings to guide his horribly misplaced advice. Like, I mean, that dude said the wrong thing at the wrong time at all times. Or, I mean, he just cut people's ears off. The dude was just super emotional. I'm talking about Judas. Yes, Judas. Uh, This dude gets a bad rap. But my hope is in talking to you today about Judas that... uh, all us emotional head cases out there will feel a little bit better about ourselves. 
So there's a story in the Bible where Jesus is being anointed. It's it's before the Garden of Gethsemane. It's before the Last Supper. It's before he's betrayed. Um, and a woman comes and she anoints him. I'm going to read it uh, really quickly or try to read it really quickly. And then I'm going to share with you the lesson, the leadership lesson that I felt like God gave me about feelings through it. Cool. You ready? Let's do this. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. Uh, But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste for this fragrant oil might have been sold for much and given to the poor? I mean, I feel like that's a legitimate concern. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble about this woman? For she's done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial, uh, as a memorial to her. And then it goes right into the story where Jesus um, is about to be betrayed and Judas agrees to betray Jesus. And, and literally, it's like right after Judas, the guy that oversaw the money, feels like this is a waste. Because I'm going to assume, it doesn't say it, but I'm going to assume, since it's right the very next story, that Judas was the guy that became indignant and he really thought this was a waste, that he allowed his emotions and his feelings behind whatever happened to go and betray Jesus. Look, I know this guy gets a bad rap. I know, I know he denied Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. I got it. Which I found out recently by reading the incredibly thorough commentary, um, Google, that in terms of purchasing power, each silver piece probably was worth about 20 bucks. The standard of living being much more lower in modern Western society. So this 30 pieces was worth about 600 bucks. 600 bucks. But in real terms, this is what I've realized about Judas. He's just like us. Like I have an, like an emotional, really, I really feel like this dude was just like us. Hear me out. He had experienced the love of Jesus or he wouldn't have followed him. He had a super intense work ethic or he wouldn't have been upset about the money. And he was led by his emotions. That's why he turned Jesus into all the haters. He was just like us. So what am I saying? If we aren't careful in life, in leadership, or even in our faith, I would venture to say that any one of us could straight turn our backs on the love of God, the dude that died on a cross for our sins for 600 bucks, or something that costs a lot, or costs, I don't know, what, a job, maybe a position that moves you farther away from your family or God, a a raise that maybe you took credit for, that was really for someone else, maybe a gift that someone gave you that made you have to make a decision that uh, you had to act a certain way or be a certain way. Maybe it's your time that you gave away. Maybe it's a relationship that you stepped into. I don't know. I have found that feelings will move you into a moment and they'll even move you in the moment, but inevitably they'll move you farther away from your purpose if your feelings aren't guided by the Holy Spirit. And that was Judas, angry about what he perceived was a waste. What he perceived he perhaps was an expert on. I always think about this. He was the dude that was over the money. And in that moment, Jesus wasn't asking for his expertise. He was asking for his obedience. He was asking him to just sit and watch and see what was happening. See, Jesus had a bigger picture mindset and Judas did not. Judas was focused on the moment. And I think a lot of times when we make decisions emotionally, we're just focused on the right then and right now instead of what could possibly be. And in response, here we find Judas, he made an emotional decision that eventually led him to death. See, our feelings are roadmaps. They're not our compass. Your feelings are meant to guide you. They're not meant to define you. And practically speaking, if you're angry, I'm basing this on me being an angry bear. 
I find when I'm angry, a core value that may have been, there could have been a core value that's probably been tampered with. For me, I only really get angry when I feel disrespected or I see others being treated badly because honor is a huge core value for me. It's what kept me getting beating up, beat up every day in fourth grade when that one girl used to make fun of that other little poor girl and I would just get involved because it just frustrated me to see somebody being treated badly. I have a desire for justice and what happens is when I see something or feeling disrespected or I see someone being treated badly, I just jump in and I become emotional about it. And God is usually walking me through that just so I can choose to model honor in response. See, God won't walk you through something if he's not going to teach you something. And if I'm sad or feeling down, which is a real thing, by the way, I don't make light of depression. I don't make light of being sad because I have been sad and I've been in dark places. But I can usually route that feeling back to offense. Like I was offended by someone or I was offended by a circumstance and I allowed it to take my self-worth or root itself in who I know I am. And it's usually God in those moments in my darkness and in my sadness where he's asking me to choose and model love in response. See, if love love covers a multitude, then why don't I choose love in the darkest of moments? That's usually what I feel like God's teaching me when I'm emotional, when I'm sad, and when I'm feeling down. Like, how can I bring love into that situation? See, feelings aren't bad. They're indicators. It's like an indicator light in your car. And maturity being maturity is like being led by the Holy Spirit. It helps you navigate the indi- indicator lights of your life. I'm going to say that again because I feel like I didn't say that correctly, but feelings aren't bad. They're indicators. And if we look at Jesus in the exact same story, he instead chose not to be emotional. He instead focused his feelings uh, on on the right things, and I'm, I'm gonna write, I'm literally gonna walk you down what those things are because they're so incredibly important. So here we go. Here's Jesus. He's in the exact same story, and instead of being focused on the feelings of how jacked up the situation was, and the beating he was about to receive, he focused and stewarded his emotions and maturity on the following. Now I'm gonna read it again, but I'm gonna read it through the filter of Jesus. And when Jesus was in Bethany in his house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask of very costly fragrant oil. And she poured it on his head and sat at the table. First things first, I believe Jesus in this moment. He's modeling us how to steward our emotions well. And the first thing, I I love that it pops out. There was a woman. She came with an alabaster flask of very, very costly fragrant oil. So I feel like in this moment, Jesus is focused on the people. He's focused on this woman. He's focused on, he's watching her sacrifice. He wasn't emotional about what was about to happen. He wasn't emotional about the fact that he knew he was going to betray. He was focused on people. The second thing that I feel like he was focused on, it says, for this uh, fragrant oil, they were saying that it was a waste. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said it to them, why do you trouble yourself for she has done good work for me? And then he goes on to say, for you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always for in pouring this fragrant oil on my body. She did it for burial. He was focused on his mission. He was focused on the father. So not only was he focused on people and wasn't emotional, he was focused on the mission. He was focused on what God was calling him to do. And sometimes I feel like when we're in life and we're in work and we're not focused on the people. We're not focused that God has a plan for this specific person and God has put them in my way for a specific reason. And we don't focus on that. We just focus on what we feel. And again, feelings are good, but they're not God. The second thing that I love so much about Jesus, and he models the best leadership advice and always, like, is that he says, Assuredly, I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told in her memorial. Like, he was focused on the big picture. 
He knew that that tiny moment, that moment where he was about to be anointed, he knew that there was a reason behind it. There was a reason behind it. Do you know that that oil that they poured on him, he got anointed twice in the, before he died. And so that anointing oil that they put on him was like the scent of royalty. I love this story. It kind of makes me emotional. I'm going to try to say this without crying. But that scent of Jesus that Jesus had, it smelled like royalty, right? So when he was betrayed in the garden and he was crying and crying and he was crying in that corner, he smelled like royalty. When he kissed Judas and he called him friend, he smelled like royalty. When he was betrayed and he was blamed, he smelled like royalty. When they beat him beyond recognition, he smelled like royalty. When he walked that path to Golgotha, he smelled like royalty. And when he died on the cross for our sins, he smelled like royalty. I would venture to say that Jesus in every circumstance was trying to tell us that our goal and our mind frame should always be that we're sons and daughters of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords and not the moment. Do you smell like the fragrance of royalty of who you truly are in your life when you're in emotional situations? And that's what I think these three things are so important because Jesus was trying to say, hey, this is what you really should smell like. You should smell like a person who loves people, who's focused on the Father, who has a big picture mindset. And if you find yourself in a moment today where your emotions are taking over, choose to focus on the right things. Don't let the moment define you. Instead, define the moment. See, is God teaching you something? Ask yourself that. Ask yourself in a moment where you're like, I'm going to literally ninja punch this person. I'm going to lose my mind in this situation. I am so overwhelmed. I cannot even deal. Is God trying to teach you self-control? Is God trying to teach you that peace doesn't always feel like peace because peace is a person, not a feeling? Is God trying to teach you what joy truly looks like, what true happiness looks like? Go through the fruits of the Spirit and say, God, which one are you teaching me right now? Because I find in moments where I'm really emotional, it's because he's trying to teach me something. Model love. Maybe I'm supposed to be showing the person who I'm in this conflict with or this person on my team that is following me or my relationship with babes or whatever it is. Maybe I'm supposed to be crying in corners and trying to pull this person in and teach them something and model love. Or maybe like Judas, we, you and me are just one $600 transaction away from forgetting who we are. Because that's what Judas did. He forgot who he was. He forgot in that moment that he was a comrade. He was a brother in arms. He was meant for great things. Chris Vallotton of Bethel, I heard him say one time that uh, Peter denied Jesus three times and um, Judas only denied him once, but Peter made a comeback and Judas didn't. And I always wonder about that. Like, why did Judas, it was just, it was just one thing. He could have made a comeback, but I think it's just because he was so led by his emotions. I don't know. I'm not the Holy Spirit, nor am I a professional of any of this stuff. I'm just a girl staring at a microphone, hoping that the people in my house don't make any noise so I can finish this podcast. But I just don't want you to fall into the same quicksand I have. I want you to choose to be the bare grills of your emotions and choose to let each moment be an adventure that others are watching instead of a wilderness that you've got to deal with. See, because at the end of the day, that's what this world will make you feel like. It'll make you feel like you're in this horrible wilderness that is going to eat you alive and there are trenches you're falling into and there's quicksand that you're falling. You've got to deal with it. But you don't have to deal with it. You've got to become an adventurer. God's walking you through whatever emotions you're having because he wants you to be able to master them for other people. 
See, at the end of the day, this whole crying in corners thing is not so that you'll be this super epic, mature person that can deal with your emotions. Although I'm hoping for that. It's for you to become a person that can model great things of self-awareness, knowing who you are, so that other people can see that and model it as well. Because Jesus was focused on people. I always tell my team and the people that I'm around, like, I got one job. Love God, love people. I got to be great at those two things. Everything else will just fall into place if I'm just good at those things. And here's Jesus, smelling like royalty, reminding us all that at the end of the day, that's what we're supposed to smell like. Royalty. And that's what matters in the end. So, yes, you have a lot of feelings. Yes, I have a lot of feelings. But in those moments where everything is kind of crazy town USA, what do you let guide you? That's my question for you today. What do you focus on? Do you focus on how you feel? Or do you focus on why you feel that way? I'm going to ask you to ask yourself that question this week to really seek God about it this week because the reality is, is God wants you to have discretion and God wants you to have discernment. See, discretion is knowing what you should be doing in the situation. Discernment is knowing what God is doing. And in this story, Jesus knew he had discretion. He knew that he needed to be focused on the people. He knew his heart needed to be focused on the right things. And he had discernment. He knew the bigger picture. He had confidence that God knew the best plan in place. So trust that God knows what he's doing. Trust that the people are what God wants you to be focused on. That's how you'll know why you feel the way that you feel. Discernment, discretion, focus on the right things. God has a plan for your life. And that plan is is to impact people in such a way that you become a person that is not selfish. Instead, you're a person that is selfless. So remember, feelings are your roadmap. They're not your compass. Your feelings are meant to guide you. They're not meant to define you. And that's who you are. Focused on people. Focused on the Father. Focused on the bigger picture. Don't let the moment define you. Instead, define the moment by focusing on the right things. Look, you've got this. You're not going to fail. I know there's things in front of you. I know life is hard. But you're going to become the Bear grills of your emotions. I'm like the guy from Castaway on my emotions, but Bear Grylls is absolutely the goal in this situation. True story. True story. (laughs) But you've got this. I believe in you. (laughs) All right. That's really all I got today. Um, Seriously, thank you so much for listening today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Um, I believe that God's got some epic things to say, and um, I'm super excited about this journey and this journey with you and uh, us becoming besties and you not judging me for all my crazy, weird cruise stories and things that I do. If you haven't left a review yet, please do so. Um, Say nice things, please, because you already know that I'm an emotional head case. And um, make sure you follow me on Instagram. Um, Check out my blog at sharice.org. And I'll follow Creative Church as I'm part of their network. And I love them. And they're fantastic. And they're doing amazing things. Um, Yeah. If you have any questions, shoot me an email. Shoot me a DM. Um, I promise I'll respond. And if you have any questions or ideas about I Cry in Corners, uh, I'd love to hear about it. Yep. That's pretty much it. All right. I love you, weirdos. Talk to you next week.